Hello, NEPHEW community, and welcome to the Hot Topics in Nephrology podcast. My name is Andrea Mohindra. I am a nephrology medical science liaison with Otsuka, and I will be serving as your host for today's podcast. I am very excited to be here today with Dr. Blake Schusterman. He will be sharing his expertise in initiating dietary dialogues with chronic kidney disease patients. We'll talk about the when, how, and what to share with patients when it comes to a kidney-healthy diet. It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Schusterman. He is a board-certified nephrologist and creator of The Cooking Doc. Dr. Schusterman combines his expertise in kidney care with a passion for patient education and empowerment. He is a partner at Carolina Nephrology and the medical director of multiple dialysis units providing in-center, peritoneal, and in-home dialysis, as well as home hemodialysis. He also serves as a board member of the Carolina Kidney Alliance and trains the next generation of nephrologists through his role as clinical assistant professor at the USC School of Medicine in Greenville. As a passionate home cook and YouTube sensation, Dr. Schusterman empowers people to proactively manage their health by stepping into the kitchen. He is the author of several cookbooks with over 100,000 YouTube subscribers. The Cooking Doc believes anyone at any age can transform their health with small changes that make a big difference. Dr. Schusterman, welcome, and thanks for being here today. Hi, Andrea. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So happy to. So most of the folks listening to this podcast, they do understand the importance of a kidney-healthy diet in chronic kidney disease patients. The struggle that we consistently hear in practice is more around finding the time to have these conversations. It's a topic everyone agrees is so important, but ends up falling to the bottom of the priority list because of the limited time in patient visits. And then to add another layer of complexity, even if a provider found the time, they often report not knowing how to have a concise but still impactful conversation around diet. So today, our podcast will focus on sharing some practical tips from Dr. Schusterman to help with this struggle. So, Dr. Schusterman, if we could start with the when. In your opinion, when is the optimal time for healthcare providers to initiate a conversation about a kidney-healthy diet with our CKD patients? Can I say day one? <laughs> so it's, it's as early as possible in your, in your care for people with chronic kidney disease. I think bringing up diet is very important to start soon. Um, when we see people in the office, that first visit is often overwhelming for people. They may not know they have chronic kidney disease. They may not know about the stages of kidney disease. They probably have all this fear about needing to have dialysis in the future. So people can be really overwhelmed when they come and see uh, me or a nurse practitioner or somebody in the office for chronic kidney disease. So that first day, you are essentially um, giving them lots of information that they may not know about. And you're also often telling them that, well, there's not a lot that maybe we can do to reverse the kidney disease process. And so people leave that first visit sometimes feeling discouraged. And that's why I like to bring up the diet as soon as I can during that first visit, if there's time, because I want to give them uh, a sense of empowerment from the beginning. 
Um, a lot of the things that they do on a day-to-day -day basis to protect their kidneys may be out of their control, but diet is not. So empowerment, patient empowerment is one of my goals as a kidney doctor and as the cooking doc. And so I like to start kind of day one as early as possible, at least bringing up the idea that there are things related to diet that can really make a difference in the progression of the kidney disease. And if you don't have a chance on day one, because sometimes it's really difficult, then sometime over the course of the next couple visits, just introducing it as a way that they can try to take control of their kidney disease, um, giving them um, something that they can actively manage on a day-to-day -day basis. I love that advice. Um, and so just take, take it a step further. Do, is there a particular stage in disease um, or point in a patient's journey where maybe dietary intervention becomes particularly crucial or when the conversation should be prioritized? This is one of those things that, and it's a great question because sometimes other things come to the forefront. You know, you, you got to talk about controlling diabetes or controlling high blood pressure or managing the fluid that's building up as the chronic kidney disease advances. Um, the thing about diet is that although it may not be the same from beginning of kidney disease to kind of the end stages, the impact that it can have is enormous no matter where you are. And I kind of break down the kidney disease diet into uh, its impact of, of two different ways. So the best possible time to start is early because if you make the changes when somebody has say uh, stage one, two or three A kidney disease, then maybe you can help prevent them from getting further on down the line in, in the kidney disease progression. Uh, on the other hand, if you don't see somebody until late or you start um, dietary changes when it's closer to stage four or five, then your focus maybe isn't quite as much on preventing kidney disease from getting worse, but it's preventing the buildup of things uh, that can build up because the kidneys aren't working well. So the kidney disease diet, you know, whether it's stage one, stage five, on dialysis or with a kidney transplant, it can be beneficial at any part along the journey. Sometimes the benefits are just a little bit different and the diet is a little bit different from stage one, obviously, to somebody who is on dialysis. Now, there are certain things that are similar along the path, but if you can start early, then I think really trying to work towards prevention and preemptively um, keeping that kidney disease from getting worse that's the best time. Uh, and then at the end, when you're stage five kidney disease, the focus becomes, well, how can I get somebody to eat in a certain way that keeps them off of dialysis or keeps them out of the hospital? So you may have very different motives along the way um, and very different patient benefit, but uh, the importance is there throughout the journey. I think that's a really great explanation of the benefits um, really at every stage, but as early as possible to get these conversations started. So earlier I touched on the fact that time with patients in an office visit is short and there's just no way around that, right? Some providers listening may feel there's just not enough time to talk about diet or 
maybe they're unsure or just uncomfortable broaching the topic of diet. Do you have any suggestions on how to initiate these conversations effectively given the time constraints that do exist? It's a really difficult needle to thread to try to find that time in a visit. When somebody comes and sees a nephrologist, if you ever look at a nephrologist's notes, you know, it's chronic kidney disease and it's hypertension and it's diabetes and it's uh, anemia and it's edema and it's secondary hyperparathyroidism. And so you have six problems that you're dealing with in a 15 minute uh, appointment or 20 minute appointment. And then, you know, that's if everything is going perfectly. And meanwhile, you have to chart. And so diet often gets pushed down to the bottom in that time course. Um, so the way I, one of the things that I like to do is kind of think about it within the context of those problems. So, and I like to start very simply. So if we're talking about things like um, edema, you know, that's a perfect time to bring in uh, the idea of a low sodium diet or high blood pressure is the perfect time to bring in something about a low sodium diet. And it can be initially just as simple as bringing it to somebody's attention and then focusing on kind of the, the low hanging fruit that most of us have in our diet for things that need to be changed. So, you know, I, I try to pick one thing in that visit, because I can't cover everything, but one thing and one problem in that visit that we can focus on. So if we're talking about edema and high blood pressure and we're going on the low sodium diet focus, okay, what did you eat yesterday? You know, we start there. Do you ever, are you, do you love salt or do you use a lot of salt? And oftentimes people will say, no, I never use the salt shaker, but they don't know where the sodium is hitting. So kind of giving that one piece of education about where the sodium is hidden and then maybe giving them a, uh, a handout or a video to watch where they can just kind of have that one focus for that visit rather than focusing on everything at once. I think that's kind of, that's kind of how I bring it out initially. I love that advice. And I, I love the way you used open-ended questions too, to kind of pry that information out of the patient. Um, like what did you eat yesterday? And that's keeping it um, simple and to the point and to help with not overwhelming the patient. So that's great advice. They don't know that what they're eating may not be uh, exactly what is best for them. You know, I'm, I'm, when I first started, I would be surprised and I would say, well, they would say, well, I have a, have a great diet and I, I eat a low sodium diet. And then it would be, what did you eat for breakfast um, this morning? And it would be, well, I had uh, a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich and some grits, you know, so it's, you know, high sodium, high fat, uh, not a lot of fiber. And so right away, it lets me know that we were starting at a place where I, I, we really need to kind of take things slow and uh, provide that kind of education. And I, and I really think it's important also to be as uh, non-judgmental as possible. You know, everybody's got challenges that they go through um, throughout the day, throughout the year. And so, uh, you know, saying things like, well, you're, you're just destroying your body through what you eat, or you're eating all the wrong things, those kind of uh, statements, I don't think uh, 
create an atmosphere of partnership where we're working together to make things better. So I really try to be non-judgmental too in, in understanding what people eat and why they eat the things that they do. That's such a great perspective. So I think that also leads us into my next question. So we've covered the when and the how, and I want to get into the what. Um, so is there any specific information you touched on um, sodium previously? Is there any other specific information as a provider that you do stress or that you convey in that initial conversation to help patients grasp the significance that the dietary changes could play in their disease progression? So sometimes I even start with when I'm talking about the what, it's not even directly related to specific foods. And I'll get to the specific kind of tenets, I think, of what I focus on in a minute. But um, I love it when people can learn to cook, because learning to cook, just kind of having some basic cooking skills allows people to control what they put into their meals. So um, if you know, if you don't cook anything, if you're buying either everything that's pre-cooked at the store or going out to eat at restaurants, you have no control over what is going into your body. So uh, learning to cook is one of the first things that I, I bring up. And it doesn't even have to be complicated. You know, just uh, you see people sometimes men in their 70s, uh, and I'm being stereotypical here, but I've seen this a lot of times where the woman had done all the cooking their entire life. And then either the their, their partner cannot cook anymore or they're passed away and, and uh, the man doesn't know how to boil water or make an egg. And so just starting with kind of getting the ball rolling with learning how to cook or, or taking the initiative to at least learn to make one or two things at home, I think is uh, one of the places that I really start. So that's kind of unrelated to specifically what, but a skill that I think is important. The other thing uh, on those lines that I tell people to watch out for is when you start changing what you eat, it often tastes terrible. So people have gone 50 or 60 or 70 years of their life, maybe eating a, a high sodium diet and their taste buds get, uh, or even a high sugar diet and their taste buds get totally uh, transformed so that when they take that first bite, they expect high salt and high sugar. Otherwise it tastes really bland. So going from a high salt, high sugar diet to a you know, very low salt, no sugar diet um, can be really uh, disconcerting and can really kind of set people off right away and say, I am never eating like this again. Um, so just giving them that warning that at first things are going to uh, taste um, terrible, maybe. But if you give it some time and kind of slowly go down on the salt or the sugar in your diet, you eventually get to a point where those things can can taste good. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Did you have any questions about that or before I go on? No, I I think that's great. I think using cooking as a tool to to almost empower the patients themselves, I think it is a really great strategy and I guess my question is in your experience, do you find that that helps patients to stick to um that kidney healthy diet? Yes, typically, although I'm not always able to predict, you know, which people are going to be able to change to a diet that sticks for a long time. But I have noticed that those people that 
that learn to cook. And it's much easier if you have uh, a partner with you, uh, a spouse or a child who is also kind of learning to cook and eat a specific way with you that, that those tend to stick a long time. But I do notice that having those basic cooking skills um, really gives people the, the power uh, to control what they eat and stick with it for a long period of time. And, and, you know, when you talk about kind of exactly what else to talk about, when, when I get kind of over that initial process of talking about, you know, changing your taste buds, I call it change your buds and learning to cook at home. Then we kind of get into, you know, really broad strokes initially of things that they can do from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed that will have a, uh, an impact. So little things can add up. So whether it's, um, not stopping at the, uh, the QT or the uh, fast food place for breakfast in the morning on the way to work, whether it's substituting a meatless protein for uh, red meat, you know, a couple times a week, uh, whether it's making a couple of dishes throughout the week rather than going out. You know, if you're eating, if you need a low potassium diet, maybe it's just substituting some uh, berries instead of a banana. Uh, these kind of little things that you start with can really add up together. And if you're developing a long-term relationship with a patient, you know, you have years and years to work together to get to the diet that is going to be beneficial for them. A lot of times these dietary habits have built up over the course of 30 to 40 to 50 years, and we don't need to change them overnight. You know, we we'll work together to make those little changes over a long period of time. I love that. And I think the last question that I have is around resources. Do you have any specific resources that you guide patients to towards, or is it, have you found in your practice that, is it videos or is it cookbooks or is it um, really patient dependent maybe? Yeah, it's very patient dependent on one hand, but there are some things I think that are good resources for people to go to. Uh, one of the reasons that I, I wrote my book was because I wanted people to have something that I could refer to when they leave the uh, the visit. So we don't have enough time to cover all the things in a kidney healthy diet. So my book, I, I kind of advise as one resource for following up when they leave the office, kind of as a reference point at home. You know, I also find that um, the American Kidney Fund has a really nice uh, kidney kitchen um, that is has some good recipes and good information on there. I love to use a dietitian. So dietitians, especially kidney-specific dietitians, are not always easy to be found. But if you have somebody in your area, they are really the key for following up on all the things that you don't have time to talk about because there really is no like one-size-fits-all kidney-friendly diet. And a good dietitian will be able to, you know, go through somebody's, um, you know, their 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 current diet, their likes of foods, their dislikes of foods, their socioeconomic barriers, uh, everything that that individual needs. They also look at their potassium level and their GFR, so they can focus on that specific person's needs and really kind of tailor a diet and dietary recommendations to them specifically. 
I think that's great advice. And and then with, you know, your registered dietitian, as you suggested, then they have a whole patient visit, you know, dedicated to talking about diet rather than the, the few minutes that, <laughs> that maybe exactly. we, is all we can get in the, in the nephrology visit. Yeah. Not only do they have the, uh, the extra time, they also have a whole lot of um, training that uh, physicians and uh, physician extenders don't have on diet and, and nutrition. So uh, our kind of knowledge is often the tip of the iceberg. Somebody says eat a low potassium diet and they'll say, well, don't have any oranges or bananas. And that's about the extent of a lot of uh, what uh, physicians and extenders know. And so dietitian has all that extra knowledge. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Schusterman. I think, you know, the guidance you've given today will really help our providers to better navigate this very important topic and will really hopefully be able to help them prioritize these conversations that we're talking about in our CKD patients. Um, so thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I, I hope that is helpful to people listening and uh, I really appreciate you having me on to talk. Of course. I um I also want to thank the NEPU community and everyone who tuned in today. Our mission on NEPU is to improve the future outcomes for individuals with kidney disease and other related conditions. And so I encourage everyone to check out our other webinars, podcasts, and events on nephew.org. You can also find us on social media platforms. Our handle is at nephew community. And if you'd like to find Dr. Schusterman on social media, his handle is at the cooking doc. Thanks again. And we look forward to seeing you again soon.